My guest today is Andre Thieu. Andre is the co-founder of Marketeu, a London-based digital marketing agency. With Andre, we talked about the marketing trends of 2021, from TikTok content to the rising demand for entertainment on social media. We also talked about building an agency, and we've had some great insights on how to build a trust and uh, close relationship with your clients. Um, I love this chat, and I hope you enjoyed as well. His name is Andre Thiel. Andre, hello. Welcome to the uh, Implement podcast for this new episode. So today, guys, I'm with Andre Thiel who is the co-founder of MarketU, uh, which is a marketing agency. Uh, so uh, before we start, Andre, can you maybe tell us a bit more about what you do and about yourself? Yeah. Hi, Brazis. Hello, everybody. Uh, very nice to, to join you here. Thank you for the invitation and thank you guys for tuning in. So, um, yeah, I would like to keep it short so we can dive straight into the conversation. Um, as you said, um, I'm the co-founder of the founders. As you said, I'm the founder of MarketU, uh, which is a digital marketing agency originally founded in London, the UK, uh, and then expanded into Romania in Bucharest. So we are uh, European in that sense. <laughs> um, and yes, we focus a lot on uh, digital marketing services, uh, 360 degrees. So covering everything from channels like SEO and uh, performance marketing to uh, you know, social media and the newer channels like TikTok and uh, Spotify and things to do with you know uh, organic performance on this channel uh, channels and um, I'm looking forward to the discussion today let's see where it gets us to awesome uh, yeah thanks for uh, you know for uh, for coming and uh, uh, I'm excited to talk to you because I think it's um, it's interesting to talk with someone who is you know who has the pulse of like what are the like the current trends and so when you have an agency you have kind of a an overview of the client's needs and of you know everything happening uh, currently so you can you know have the latest tactics like all those sort of things so uh, you know uh, i'd love to know a bit more about what are the things uh, you think are going to be top priority for marketing departments uh, in 2021 and I, I know you're working more with uh, sort of uh, you know uh, mid-sized companies uh, mm -hmm. so what are they thinking about for this new year what are their top priorities Mm -hmm. Super. Uh, very good question. <laughs> Let's dive straight into the trends. So basically last year was weird for everybody. I think we all saw very different uh, scenarios for very different companies, just, uh, you know, taking the lead or not and looking at marketing from many perspectives, either decreasing the budgets and pausing activity or pushing harder to gain an, an, an advantage. Um, I would say this year is a big opportunity for many people to uh, raise their hands and actually become visible doing the right types of things. Obviously, the audience is much more online and engaged today than it, than it ever was. So, um, you know, many people working from home, professionals as well, uh, being engaged on multiple online channels and, you know, having the attention to, towards in, the internet in general. Um, I think it's a much bigger opportunity for brands to stand out and also a danger for everybody just trying to apply recipes, hoping for success. So um, saying this, where I feel many people get their attention towards and is also one of the things that 
us as an agency, even for us as a business, we do, and we want to focus on that a lot, is really looking at our content marketing strategy and the way that we brand ourselves and communicate with our communities, but in a more empathetic and suitable way. So understanding really just going back to the customer persona of, you know, you guys tuning in your business and thinking really who is relevant for you to communicate to. And this can be, and I know it can be very different from maybe running a small boutique B2C brand to running a B2B corporation selling software or something along those lines, but really understanding who you want to communicate to and what's relevant for them to know about you and for you to deliver to them in terms of value. And then um, through that, uh, crafting your communications strategy, looking at the channels that you maybe even before produce content on and see whether they are the most suitable anymore or not. Uh, Think about ways in which you can position yourself better as an authority and actually deliver value through all the communications rather than just maybe putting out a white paper or... Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's... Like just yeah. sorry to, to, to cut you there, but I, I feel like the those are like kind of standard things. Like I mean, uh, the my point was more like you know uh, we've we've been through a, a huge crisis and it's not over yet, and uh, mm-hmm. things are still struggling with it. Uh, what are the things that maybe you've seen uh, more demand? You know, for like active sort of activations or things that maybe people focus more on emailing activities, maybe. Uh, people are starting to look at TikTok, or because you, you, you before we uh, we started the interview, we talked about TikTok. Uh, so I'm talking more in terms of tactics and activations and uh, and things like that. Strategy-wise, I kind of understand the whole thing, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a, it's a, you know it's important to refocus on on value and on online, etc. But the I'm talking about about tactics. Do you have uh, something to share there? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm also in charge with the inbound customer acquisition for for our agency. So I get the chance to speak to very many brands on a daily basis. And one thing that has been uh, very, I mean, in a way surprising, and we didn't see it coming as quickly as it did, was uh, every not everybody, but eight percent of the people are starting to considering to consider, for example, TikTok as part of their core communications channel channels. So when before it was uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and maybe Twitter, uh, now TikTok is coming a lot into the conversation and everybody wants to understand better what it is, why it's so catchy, and what type of content should they produce for it, or how can they use the platform? And is this big question mark of, oh, we have this new channel and everybody's going crazy about it. Uh, How can we best use it? And then uh, we saw this coming a lot, you know, uh, both types of businesses, B2B and B2C wanting to use it and uh, trying to figure out a good content strategy there. And also in terms of what's been in a way changed is that many brands started to understand more of the value of SEO now that they don't have so much budget to invest in Google ads, for example. So they would like to maybe if before they had five, 10K budgets to allocate towards Google ads, uh, and they had a cost per acquisition of X. Right now, they are using off. Uh, they are looking at ways in which they can use um, channels like, you know, SEO slash content marketing and optimizing their platforms uh, and websites in order to drive that type of traffic organically, if possible. So to compensate and to build more sustainable uh, acquisition channels. This would be two ways, uh, or yeah, two ways in which uh, the approach has changed a bit. And then. Um, 
Another thing that we saw a lot was companies looking at ways in which they can productify their um, business. So mainly in the service business, everybody's been following the same sort of business recipe so far, I guess. And this is not the blame, just like uh, delivering the services and then counting full on the delivery of the services, for example, in the instance of an agency. But what we saw coming into the discussion more and more was uh, people wanting to develop their courses or their master classes or make something that is sellable as um, like the know-how to be uh, packaged and uh, scaled in terms of sales. So not depending so much on the time as it is with the services, but rather on just producing something that would be meaningful and people could buy and uh, could learn themselves or you know just get yeah. the value out of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, got it. Uh, awesome. I um, yeah, I think it's uh, the the TikTok conversation conversation is is really interesting. And uh, do do you have uh, like an idea of what kind of, I mean, what are the the current uh, um, challenges? Like, do clients come to you because they don't know how to approach it? Do they come to you because they already have a plan and they need like a way to execute it? And so like they're looking for help and they like the content content production. Is it more like like what stage are they? And I, I know like it's going to be different for uh, a B2B and a B2C company and their, their, like, their, uh, their, their sophistication in terms of content marketing in general. But uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering like what are the use cases and the things that you see and uh, um, what kind of services are you guys selling on, the, on this platform? Mm -hmm. So most, most clients that come for TikTok don't really know how to use the platform so they don't they don't have a content plan for it um, many have some content they are just not very sure how to repurpose it for TikTok or how to produce content that is relevant for TikTok and where else could they use it and one thing that we look in parallel with them when we try to identify the sweet spot for them to start to communicate or to produce the content is are they using for example insta reels and stories enough already because if they do maybe we could tweak that a bit and then maybe we can start to produce the right content for both reels and tiktok for example this works very well for b2c brands in general um and the answer is that not too many brands use for example reels either way so then it's a two like it's a dual opportunity here to tweak the content or produce content that is um is able to be distributed through two channels instead of one and then we look at what's existent so that we can see if we have a basis on which we can build so that the channel doesn't start from scratch scratch but we have maybe nine or 12 pieces of content that we can use to build up a nice feed and then we look at the communications plan and we think about what type of content would be not cringe and also interesting or funny because you know you don't want to produce content for tiktok just for the sake of producing tiktok tiktok content because nobody's gonna appreciate it or consume it and that's basically the, the tiktok algorithm uh you know good quality content that is being appreciated and is being shared usually tends to perform better and better and it builds on this uh, snowball effect but if your content is not engaging in the first couple of seconds and is not attracting audiences and making them share on their stories on uh, other platforms like instagram or through dms or commenting on them, then the chances of that content getting amplified are not so big. So really think like getting them together with us and trying to identify the what's a good communication for them. 
and see if there's anything that we can use to start with so we don't start from scratch and actually sort of jump start in this direction and then uh, organizing the planning for the future content so that if they have a photo shooting or if they have an event that happens in store or online even but mostly in store or outdoors then they can also spot themselves the opportunities to shoot that type of content that is more organic and that can be cut and is maybe even funny or shows the insights from the company and the team and the behind the scenes and then we can put that together in uh, in, in videos so that we can perform well on TikTok. Yeah, it's a it's a really great overview what you said because I I think it's a it's a great strategy to use uh, reels and stories from Instagram and kind of repurpose them first uh, mm -hmm. before like going and doing uh, you know uh, sort of uh, yeah dedicated content for TikTok because it's it's not easy to get the to get the point right I'm not I'm not a user myself uh, mm -hmm. and uh, if you if you're not using it and uh, uh from outside it's hard to to get what's going to work what's not going to work uh there are a lot of great examples out there so i've seen for example the um uh the washington post account uh mm -hmm. is really cool like it's really funny and it's uh, uh you think it's a kind of a, a serious and uh and, and boring channel because you know they're they're sharing news and stuff like that but actually it's not the case at all and the guy mm -hmm. managing the the account is uh is, is doing comedy basically he's doing uh, like these uh sort of short, short stories about the you know the li life of the office at the washington post uh you know uh, then he talked about like the whole lockdown thing and he did some uh, short stories about like himself being locked down and going crazy and things like that so it's uh it's really funny how a very serious brand like the washington post actually took it uh to another level and uh went into uh a sort of universe of comedy that is super like you know different from what we're used to um i really enjoyed that but then i stopped consuming tiktok after a while uh but yeah it's uh i think it's a great start to start producing reels for insta because it does work from what we've seen like it's uh there's real uh, reach and uh, uh and then repurpose it for for, for tiktok absolutely mm -hmm. And also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Washington Post uh, example, I don't know the account myself, but I, I'm going to have a look after our episode today. Um, but this is a great chance to reinvent your brand or to showcase another side of the story that maybe people didn't really know. You just have to pay attention not to be, again, cringe or not to damage your um, your brand's reputation. So, you know, apply some good taste to it but uh or don't force it but you can be I, people want to be entertained on tiktok like either entertained or they want to hear some very interesting tricks tips there are some uh, channels that do especially well with you know tricks about karate or about uh what you can do with your iphone that you didn't know or psychology and things like this so if this could be the type of content that would be relevant for your business and maybe you can get somebody in the team that is more charismatic maybe that like being in front of a camera it doesn't have to be you know like you the director or you the marketing manager necessarily just somebody that enjoys the channel maybe uh has maybe is user is the user of the channel that'd be even better and then um think about the content this way so either you know tips and tricks and really interesting stuff that add some value but is dynamic as well or just you know, fun things, uh, you know, I, I think people um, 
because there's not too much fun around anymore, or at least the news <laughs> and the things that we get bombarded with every day, I think people are in a in a search for entertainment, maybe more than they previously were, because they don't even have the human entertainment that they will get on a daily basis, just having bar a banter with their work colleagues or things like mm -hmm. this, or not that much. So they they are hungry for this type of content. And if you can be cool and interesting and funny at the same time as a brand on TikTok, then this could work in your advantage. And mainly for the younger demographic that is using TikTok, this could be very well appreciated. But now again, go back to your communication strategy and make sure that you don't post the same picture, uh, the same movies for, or clips from TikTok to LinkedIn, because that wouldn't be suitable. So just make sure that you understand the audience very well and right. then just see how you can play with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, building an agency because it's, uh, uh, you started this agency now and uh, you have uh, for a few years. So I wanted just to kind of understand, like, how did you build it? How, can, how did it start? Like, and, you know, what kind of build agency you're trying to build and like kind of the whole story behind it. Could you tell us the story? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so uh, this is, uh, this, I mean, my interaction with marketing and the way that I discovered my passion for this subject goes way back when I was uh, playing music and as a teenager, and I had to promote our shows and stuff like that. So that's how I got into marketing and event management. Um, the agency itself, like me working with uh, brands, not as a job. Uh, so as a freelancer started uh, by me helping other fellow musicians and artists better promote themselves or better create their online uh, profiles and just reach their customers this way. And then um, I had a, a dozen of jobs uh, and I changed them <laughs> very quickly when I was in my teenage years trying to see what I would like. But then I discovered my passion for entrepreneurship and combining entrepreneurship with marketing, which I knew I already liked, uh, resulted in me launching or starting to work as a so business owner, basically. Um, so I was by myself, um, but working with these types of artists and uh, startup businesses um, a couple of years ago. And uh, doing this, I discovered it started as a side hustle. So I was still working at the time, a full-time job. And uh, actually, I was going to uni as well. I was final year at uni. So that was a busy year. Um, but once I finished uni, I said I would really like to focus on this full-time. So I started to learn more about how to grow a business in the real sense of the word. I mean, not only, you know, freelancing under a brand, but rather build something that is more sustainable. And one thing that determined, determined me to make this switch because I mean, I was in a well-paid job at the time. And also, you know, as a freelancer, you can earn some good amount, like you cannot be worried about money if you do your stuff right. So it's not a necessity necessarily, but um, I had a couple of things that inspired me. Uh, one of them was my previous corporate job which even if it was a very good learning curve, I never really liked it and liked working there and commuting three hours per day and stand, like staying in the office all day when I didn't necessarily have to. So I just felt that that was not very ambitious for people falling into those kind of roles at, a, at an early age. I was very ambitious and I still am. So I felt a bit constrained by that. Um, 
and also so from there i went and worked for another startup in the in london um and the director of that like the managing director who was the one to get me on board in the first place uh was the one that actually showed me how it was on the other side of the fence so she was very understanding in the way that um i was able to work from anywhere uh, finalizing my studies i didn't have to go to the office every day uh really felt that she was trusting what i was doing and i said okay this is the type of business uh environment that somebody passionate about marketing or anything else should fall into so that they can bring to the table the best of the of themselves because not everybody has to be an entrepreneur but everybody wants to do good and everybody wants to do good and also have a good life balance and you know they don't have to only have one hobby which is what they work for every like all day because if, if you're lucky your hobby is going to be your job and then you are set but you usually have two or three hobbies and it's good to be able to alternate them and you know just to feel happy with the way that you live your life and that was when uh i said okay I really like marketing. This entre entrepreneurship stuff is down my street and I, I would like to do this. I think I could be good at it. Um, and I also want to be surrounded by these kind of people that could work passionately around me so that we can do what we what I did then for more brands and to really build those kind of close relationships with the clients, uh, which generally are, are our friends as well. Like we get along very well and it's a close relationship. And um, that's basically when it started and kind of started to pick up as well. Uh, so the first two years were more like be me by myself learning and uh, building the brand kind of, but not very aggressively. And then from 2018 onwards, uh, that was when we started to really push for the company as well and build a team and um, look more seriously in building a pipeline and um, making ourselves more visible and attracting more clients and work on the business system <laughs> and not only, you know, the, the brand and uh, me as a one man, one man band kind of thing. And this is also when we started to look at other um, business segments, like uh, tech was one that I started to work a lot in from 2015. So uh, this was something that like an area where I knew I, I could bring a lot to the table and uh, in parallel e-commerce as well from 2016. So this is also, these are two segments that we focus on e even today. Uh, so a lot of our clients are e-commerce clients. We also deliver a lot into the B2B lead generation inbound marketing area. Um, and this is when we started to incorporate them and actually focus on building relevant services and uh, bringing good results for these niches. Awesome. Congratulations on the the whole journey. It's uh, it's great. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's great to see someone like you know start something and going with it, and uh, you're doing really well. So, uh, uh, congrats with all this. And uh, it's funny when you talked about your clients and you said they were like friends. Um, I love it because I feel like it's the it's kind of the only way it works as an agency is that you're able to build uh, such a close relationship with your clients that uh the agency work can happen and uh, it cannot be transactional i feel like the the relationship cannot be like uh you know uh, i'm just doing this one shot thing and then yeah it just can't be transactional it has to be uh, much deeper it has to you have to spend a lot of time with them you have to be there for them uh it has to be long term so so how do you build these relationships like what are the 
the things that you've learned over the, 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 the few years that you've been managing this, uh, you know, how do you get these friends? <laughs> um, well, first, I mean, let's start from what everybody wants and everybody, I think, wants to trust whoever they do business with. And this trust can be built on, you know, a couple of layers, like they can trust you in the beginning because they can they have heard good things about you and that's always helpful they can start to trust you because uh, they found good stuff about you online and that's again ideal um but that will only get you to the interview like <laughs> you know just uh getting that initial conversation going is very important what you do from that point onwards and i think the way that we manage and this is not only me saying this is actually what most of our feedback has been when we requested it or even when we didn't uh and we had clients coming from other agencies and switching to us it was um showing that you care more than just uh past the you know uh invoicing date uh i mean uh, showing if you have uh, object there, I have so many ideas in my head now, I don't even know which one to prioritize, but let me give you a couple and they, they are not in any particular order. But for example, uh, we had clients coming from other agencies that were not necessarily um, experienced in working with an agency or working with partners for marketing. They maybe didn't know too much about marketing in the first place. So uh, rather than just asking them to trust us and then at the end of the month reporting on some numbers and saying that we did good or not, um teaching them how they should think about marketing how we think about marketing what they should be tracking and why whatever they were doing before was good or not or where they were mistaken and what we will do to correct that and to ensure that we'll have a sustainable working relationship and bring good results and then this sets the ground like sets a much better ground from the beginning because you know you don't want to tell people they were wrong but if you do then you need to argue why and also show what would have been good and have it backed up by arguments. Um, and one thing that many times wasn't looked into enough depth in the beginning was, for example, setting the right objectives, the right KPIs, having targets that are mutually agreed upon and things like this. And also having this consultative approach after you made the sale to say so, like, okay, now we work together. What does success look like for you guys? Uh, how did you do it before and why you weren't happy and then just try to bring to the table as much as possible because ideally as an agency you are not in for the short run like you don't just want to have a client for a month or two you want to have a client for a year or two or three so that's really when the relationship starts to be sustainable and is this friendship that friendship that starts to to happen so putting the work in the beginning even if it's going to be a lot of non-billable hours and then whenever you have an opportunity to bring a plus to the relationship, even if it's not like, for example, for us, we do, we have clients for which we only do paid advertising like Google and Facebook, for example, at least in, in the beginning. But then um, knowing what's going on in the market and maybe identifying some things that they might be able to do better. We had occasions when we did stuff for free, but not because of any particular reason other than seeing that maybe they were writing their own articles, but they were not SEO optimized. And we knew there's a person there getting paid to do that, that 
it's not necessarily her job to do it, but she's being asked and, or she wants to do more for the company. So us knowing what they should be doing to correct that quickly, we would just, you know, organize the call and actually having somebody from the team explaining them how to do that better, you know, non-chargeable or anything, and just trying to help them as a friend, at, you know, like having that sort of marketing friend <laughs> Uh, that always tells you, hey, you forgot uh, the coma after whatever, or at the CTA or things like this. I think trying to become that friend is really important. And then, you know, being human with them. I mean, not trying to be obviously professional, but understand that you're talking to another person that wants to do good as well in their job. And they are kind of in a situation where they should trust you to do a good job with them, for them. So after you prove this, support and that you are there for them um just be cool and uh, you know grab a coffee for example a funny story yesterday uh so i'm right now i had to travel to bucharest to our uh, agency here so we have uh, a couple of new colleagues and we did training yesterday and um i was at, i was staying in an airbnb last night and i just uh, so i was returning from the office uh dropped my stuff and then went to the shop to um to grab some uh, dinner and uh, and some water <laughs> and then i was uh, on my way uh, just with my headphones in and i saw uh, a lady uh, she was there uh, in front of the shop and i looked twice and actually uh, she was the director of one of our uh, older clients so she didn't notice me because we had face masks on um i went like i was kind of uh hey is this you and she was like uh, she was on the phone and she was like uh wait sorry i need to call you back and she was like oh andre how are you we haven't seen each other in almost a year i think because of the pandemic uh so it was just uh you know it was eight o'clock yeah it was eight o'clock in the evening um and she was also going to the same shop to get uh you know dinner and whatever groceries so uh, we stayed there and we just chatted for 20 minutes, but you know, not necessarily work-related stuff, just as two friends were meeting up after a while and you'd be just talking about life and work as well up to a point, you know? Um, but yeah, just having that sort of personal touch and always be there for your clients so that they can know you are a partner and not only a service provider. I think this is how you can build those types of friendships. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I loved it when you talked about uh, onboarding the the customer in a way that uh, you kind of uh, make sure there there aren't any traps out there or any things that you you kind of haven't seen uh, that could uh, hinder the relationship, you know, uh, down the road. Um, so I feel like it's something that is uh, is super important, and I should, it's actually super important as a marketer in general to just have your objectives kind of set up well and take time in the beginning to um, sort of uh, sort of build that vision that you're going to start and, 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 you know, start, start creating together. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a cool story, man. I, I uh, you know, I wish you a lot of success and uh, it's funny how you switched from music to marketing, which is kind of a, uh, I mean, it's uh yeah, I think it's, it makes sense, right? It's uh, both like creative work and, I mean, obviously it's not the same, but it uh, makes, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know why, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks a lot for the nice words. You guys are doing an amazing job as well. I didn't have the chance to say it. <laughs> thanks. But um, keep up the good work too. Yeah, so, um, you know, just to kind of wrap up the, the episode, I just wanted to ask you if you had sort of, um, you know, any resources or any things that you, 
you know, websites, uh, blogs, uh, podcasts, things that you go to to learn new things about marketing, learn new things to be, a, you know, a better agency for your clients. Like, where do you, where are you currently learning things uh, as a marketer? Um, there, there's not one or two sources that I could specifically quote, um, but I'm also following the sort of more business and financial markets stuff that is going on as well. Then if anything business-wise uh, happens that is worth noting from the beginning is following websites like Bloomberg and the sort of big, uh, the Telegraph, like the big um, trustworthy publications or platforms that, uh, you know, like following the stock market. stock market is also useful because you kind of need to understand what happens that might impact on your clients and on your clients' niches. Uh, so this, it, for me, it's always uh, starting to think differently whenever I'm looking for information. Like if I want to, uh, this is basically what inspires me to look into other ways and then kind of learning new things on the way. Like for example, in the morning, if I'm watching the stock market and I'm seeing, you know, like Tesla bought Bitcoin or, you know, this is something that just happened um basically i would be looking at how this how did this influence uh, you know the car manufacturing space if we had a client there i would probably be more attentive to what's going on in in their business or maybe write them an email and say hey we saw this move or if they are a tesla competitor maybe they are a more cap, uh, a market car manufacturer uh how are you guys reacting to this is there anything that we can do on the marketing front to help you uh, maybe again, if we see this is also a sort of innovation oriented company. So this would be also a vote of confidence maybe for Bitcoin coming from there. Uh, and if we had more AI oriented or, you know, like more, um, technology part uh, technology clients that would be able to benefit from that. Um, I would probably start to think about what type of content could we help them produce so that they can, uh, benefit from this discussion that is going on there uh but these are all thoughts that i would be generating for myself based on information that i'm processing from another place than a marketing publication and then uh following you know the marketing week and the ad week and the sort of uh, more mainstream publications regard in regards to marketing because that's where you hear about the cool campaigns and what's been going on uh in in the media and what brands which brands have done good stuff i mean that's always an inspiration it's good to know um and uh, LinkedIn is a good source. Uh, I mean, uh, that's my social media platform of choice at the moment. Uh, if I want to navigate information, um, I would just go on LinkedIn and look at influencers like, I don't know, maybe starting from Richard Branson and then going into Tony Robbins and then going into somebody else and trying to see what's related to that, if there's any news that is being uh, is important. But at this very point in time, uh, what I noticed is that I need to focus on both the business side of things as well as the marketing side of things. So I'm still very much tuned into the market and I'm always um, in tune with what everybody on the team is doing. Uh, but I also need to look at the, the sort of admin or things that happen at the at, at not a marketing scale that can help us do better, help our clients do better from a business perspective. Uh, or can influence the whole market because, you know, COVID, for example, was something that I was able to predict before it kind of picked up. So we had a call, for example, in February with our team and I let them know that it's going to be, uh, I 
hot, hot tougher time. Obviously, I didn't predict it <laughs> to be as it was or as it is, but that helped us um, prepare internally better for what came and uh, also help our clients a bit better um, and just uh, be tuned into the market. So I think as an entrepreneur, this is something that I think is very, very important. Yeah. So like to, to basically to sum it up, like you, you would spend a lot of time following trends uh, and uh, uh, whether it's in like sort of big macro trends uh, happening with like uh, large brands and things that uh, are happening in the, in the economy in general and also sort of more, you know, micro trends with the marketing week and like these type of publications. Uh, and also you talked about the, um, you know, anything that might impact you as a business owner. So, you know, all the admin and th things like that. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of the, one of the, the key things to, to be doing for sure is to be following trends. And uh, I'm always curious to see where people are, are you know, following those trends and, uh, uh, and keeping in touch with what's happening. I, I, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn as well, but I don't consume uh, so much content. I uh, I spend a lot of time messaging people, like getting uh, you know back and forth, creating connections. Uh, but I don't spend time on the feed that much. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's getting. Uh, I don't know. It's a bit. Uh, it's a bit too. How can I say? Um, it's not genuine anymore. Like it's uh, it's very it's very fake. A lot of posts are kind of. You feel like it's forced. You feel like it's. I don't know. I. Uh, it's not easy to post for LinkedIn and to create content for LinkedIn, but I, I've kind of dropped from LinkedIn for a while now. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And another thing that I think is very relevant, I just uh, realized now, uh, and it's something that I'm actively doing, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm putting attention into it, is always try to understand the people, like the end consumer, like even when I'm talking to my friends or to close people to me, or if I'm having a conversation like ad hoc, um, I always try to understand how people might be changing as a result of, for example, now the pandemic, like this has changed us, changed us a lot. And I think from a marketer's point of view, it's very important to understand how your end consumer really communicates or what triggers them or what's, what concerns them, all these things and understand how to best be empathetic, how to best help uh, and how to best trigger a purchase if that's what you want to do. Um, you know, but always think back to the people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, um, uh, probably wrap up the episode there. And, uh, uh, before we, uh, we close the, the conversation, I, you know, I want to ask you if you had anywhere people could, uh, you know, follow you, engage with your content or ask you questions, where can they find you? Sure thing. Uh, thank you for asking. So uh, LinkedIn is a good place. <laughs> I will probably respond there. Uh, just make sure you add a note because I get a lot of uh, request connections. So if you say that uh, you heard this podcast or, you know, buddies or, uh, you know, just add a note so I know where, uh, where the request is coming from. And uh, also our websites, uh, so marketu.com, uh, that's our business. And then we have a podcast as well. Um, we always strive to produce good content. So if you have any recommendations or um, curiosities or things like this to do with marketing that you feel would be worth exploring or would help you specifically or your business, then I'm always open to recommendations in this direction because that's how we know we produce valuable content if it's requested or if it's relevant for somebody. And if it's one person, then that's good. Um, 
so yeah, if you have any questions, always happy to receive them. LinkedIn, a website, we have a podcast as well. Um, and um, yeah, maybe Facebook, Instagram, uh, our TikTok is pretty new, so but we, <laughs> we hope to populate that soon. But yeah, uh, the main platforms are the best ones. Awesome. Thank you, Andre. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Super. Thank you as well for the invitation. Have a nice one.